Zatujcie. 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 Welcome to the Blind Podsman. We are a podcast dedicated to all things Atuichi. I am Patrick, and with me is Jason. Hey, Patrick. Hey, Jason. So, uh, how's the week been treating you, man? Oh, man. It's been uh, extremely busy. Been moving stuff around, um, messing up my hands, all sorts of uh, dumb, bloody nonsense. Kind of like what we're going to be experiencing in this film. Not to the same extent, but yeah. Uh, this is, is it, say what? This is because uh, you you moved recently too. Exactly. Yeah, I'm not just moving stuff around for the thrill of it. Which right. Is, you know, this is Jason. <laughs> Jason's moving journey. Exactly. Jason on the road to a new place. <laughs> um, um. Yeah. What about you? How's your week been? It's been all right. I work's been kind of tough, so that's why it's been a little bit difficult getting around to recording. I don't know if anyone's noticed, but we are a week late. It's mostly my fault, um, just because our uh, just our schedules didn't really come together. Um, yeah, whenever we were trying to uh, plan it, I was always a okay with uh, pushing it back a day or so. It got pushed back a couple of times, but I was still like, "Yeah, this is fine," because. I was also very busy, but we're yeah, here. I think we're back together we're, and we're back at it. So that's good. We were planning on Monday and I just, uh, I just, I think I texted Jason. I was like, to hell with it. Let's just wait till Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, yeah, things have been fine. I got a dog. Um, I've never had a dog before, but now I have one. Please tell me that you named the dog Zatoichi or some I, incarnation I, of it. Unfortunately, I couldn't. I did name her Yuki, which is pretty Japanese, but uh, yeah. um, she's cool. She's a, she's still kind of a puppy, so um, she's a kind of a pain in the ass right now. But hopefully, she'll grow up to be a respectable hound. Um, German Shepherd, so she's already pretty big to begin with. Uh, the cats aren't really big fans of her, but they'll be fine. You know, she's not trying to eat them, and that's what counts. Yeah, and they're cats. They're never really big fans of anything unless it's, like, food or yeah. scratching stuff. Um, first day when she tried sniffing one of them, she, uh, the cat just slapped her right in the face, and I think that kind of that kind of put down any, uh, any ambitious thoughts she might have had about turning one of them into dinner. So... Um, <laughs> I now am at my pet limit because I own three pets, and that is too many pets, in my opinion. So, I mean, I guess a cat, two cats don't really count because, you know, two cats is barely a dog to begin with. Yeah, cats uh, are more like slacker roommates anyway. They just yeah, kind of they're just fur- they're just furniture that eats pretty much. There you go. Um, related to the podcast, um, we were com- we keep saying please leave us reviews. And it happened because we just got a new review um, on September 8th. So it's not that new, but it's from DSNT. Um, It says, I'm a fan of actually, I'm sorry. Great series, fantastic podcast treatment, five stars. So that's a that's a good way to start. Nice. 
I'm a fan of the Zatoichi series, but the films are a little binge or little binge watchable and easy to be glossed over. I love revisiting the series, uh, the series, a film at a, at a time with the blo- with the Podsman. They have a solid rapport and really dig into the material. So thank you, DSNT. Yeah, thanks a um, lot. I actually already kind of see where he's coming from because, like, uh, um, the fugitive and. Uh, on the road kind of blended together to me because I was thinking of something that happened in The Fugitive and I swore it was on the road until I looked into it further. But, um... Oh, yeah, and speaking I, of on the road, um, we had a listener ask uh, that we delve a bit deeper into the ending of On the Road, the last film that we discussed. Yep, um, that was listener Tom. Yeah. Um, he, we, I apologize that we glossed over the ending. Um... For the last movie it's just because it was a quick episode but we are going to get into that so uh you want to start us off jason yeah sure and i'm not sure how we well aside from being a short episode this is definitely like a a fight scene that's worth talking about so yeah my apologies too um so we have ichi basically looking like he's in the same yojimbo situation towards the end of the film um it's at that point that he realized that he was being hired on as a uh, sort of ace in the hole in taking on another Yakuza gang by way of this first Yakuza gang. What he thought was going to be, well, he didn't probably ever think that it was going to be a simple visit. Um, some light is shed on it, and it's they definitely want his, uh, his sword skills to take on, I believe it's Boss Tobe, is that right? I believe so, yes. Yeah, and it was the um, actor who was in uh, the previous Zatuichi installment. Um, I think it was The Tale of Zatuichi Continues. It was number the second two? One. Yeah, the one with um, his brother, uh, both this, on um, film and off film. This uh, this actual plot point is really similar to uh, what was going on in the first first movie too where it was basically he was hired on as the ace and hole between uh two gangs fighting yeah except in this one uh there's there's not like a match for zatuichi usually he has like a uh, a samurai or ronin match um that he'll try to uh uh have a solo bout with but in this case it's like the mob hordes there is like there's one part of Tobey's gang. Um, you'll have to remind me of that guy's name. Uh, there's one henchman there that has been like organizing to try and take down Zatoichi really since like the beginning of the film. But he's nothing like the other samurais that we've seen in previous films or the one that we're going to be talking about in uh, The Chest of Gold. So what ends up happening is that these two gangs are meeting like a old west showdown style in the middle of this dusty road and Zatoichi just takes control of the entire situation uh partially because Tobe's gang uh came across the uh the young maiden that Zatoichi was trying to escort to Edo for most of the film Mitsu um, Mitsu that's right uh, he was trying to get her to the uh nation's capital where she had family and People interfered, um, so Boss Tobe's gang, learning that she has this connection, use her as bait 
to win Zatoichi onto their side. And Zatoichi basically commanding the situation is like, all right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm switching sides, much like Starscream from Transformers or, you know, any sort of person who's totally in control of their own destiny and um, proceeds to fight for boss Tobey instead. Uh, It encourages Tobey to stay close to him, Ichi, uh, as he takes down the other two Yakuza bosses. Um, This is partially to make sure that that uh, that Ichi has basically a hand on all three of the people who have made his life a living hell because he's his plan is to take down all of them. And yep, that's uh, Tobei Hikozo and Tomi Goro. Yes, and uh, I think Tomi Goro was the Yakuza boss with like the great face. Like he had this, he had that very Moses lack kind of sleazy face. Um, yep, uh, he was the he was the guy the transporter guy and right yeah he did look like Moses like <laughs> yeah yeah very seedy character I thought he was just it's like the good the bad and the ugly or just the I uglier, when, uglier yeah I I believe when uh, Zatuichi kills him he finds a note that says no funeral in his kimono <laughs> yeah yeah not a not a great run for that guy or Moses like <laughs> for that matter but yeah it's. It's a huge, epic battle between these two uh, Yakuza gangs. And Zatoichi is very handedly taking down people. Uh, There's a great shot of somebody trying to attack him from behind with like a bamboo spear. And he pays attention to that. Yeah, like he wraps around that. And then another person launches. And this is just uh, uh, like without even cutting away. At that time, it's just Shintaro Katsu, like fighting off this guy behind him, and then turning back to the front and whacking away this bamboo spear that's flying at his head. Um, so this is when you watch this kind of stuff, you just get the feeling that stuff was like these shots were very fast and loose. Like have you ever seen like uh, Red Throne from Kurosawa? There's that famous ending scene with flying arrows going at Shiro Mifune. And he's getting hit by these arrows. And sometimes they're just like flying right in front of his face. This isn't like CGI or anything. They're just like, all right, uh, we've got one shot at this, literally. So make sure you knock that spear away from your face, okay? (laughs) And thankfully he does, obviously, because we have an entire series dedicated to this actor and uh, this character. But it's just really impressive. Um, there's a few other points I want to take away from it, but what what sticks out about it for you, that uh, last uh, fight scene from On the Road? Well, a lot of it is how frantic it is. Um, it's, uh, I mean, you're, you know that these three gangs are going to war with each other, but you're actually just pretty much just watching Zatoichi kill like a hundred dudes. And... Um, it's a lot more. It, you see him at a, being a lot more vicious than usual too. Even though he kind of gives them a warning that none of them need to die, but yet they still come at him. Um, I think this is also kind of like one of the few instances where you watch him specifically target people to kill them, like what he did with Tobe and Higozo and Tomigoro. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I also found it hilarious that all three of them panic as soon as they see him. Um, mm-hmm. It's a uh, you know it's like watching him kind of work his way through these crowds is kind of like it doesn't it, it holds like uh, God what's the word I'm looking for it, it's like you said it's just kind of all over the place but it kind of like has this cool consistency to it and like the filming that kind of makes it's it almost kind of to me feels like it was all done not in one take but just like just like they would do they would stop a shot start another one up again start like it was just like no breaks between these shots it was just they kept going um yeah yeah and to can kind of contrast this against the um the gang it's very it's very guerrilla filmmaking is what it feels like to me yeah and more of that with uh uh, the uh, chest of gold too, but uh, since you mentioned like the setup for this fight was kind of like the fight from the first film, I'm thinking back to that one, and that one had some more artistic takes on the gang wars. Like the words that come to mind for that one when we were discussing it were uh, claustrophobic. Like yep. they kind of stuff what actors they had for that very first film into tight rooms and kind of let the camera just pan across as there's a literal janitorial closet. Yeah, exactly. Like they stuck them all in a broom closet and just stuck a camera on the window and watched what happened. They were huge fans of a night at the opera. And it's like putting two cats in a, it's like putting two cats in like a closet together and just watching the chaos unfold. I'm guessing you've done that before, which is like Uh, with your two cats. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, like that one, I got the sense that they just didn't have the budget for it and really wanted to focus on Shitarokatsu or or really just whatever they had because the shots that, like I just remember this really trippy shot where the music just sounds eerie and it just was like a bunch of guys like writhing, like they're so tightly packed and fighting each other or trying to fight each other. They just see them look exhausted like, oh, how are we even doing this? But in this one, like you got different set pieces, different scenes, different attention to detail, um, costuming, like now it's in full color as opposed to the black and white of the first film. Uh, all of that is standing out. And, and yeah, the way he moves from scene to scene is, is really impressive and consistent, like you say. And... Um... It, it also like with the whole claustrophobic feel of the first movie that actually kind of comes back in chest of gold. Mm, um, yeah. Yeah. Weirdly it does in some sense, you know, a, a lot of uh, what the big thought that came to mind when watching the last scene of, uh, on the road is how did people survive like fights like this in the past? Like, how do you just walk away from any of that? Cause it seems like there's a million opportunities for you to die. <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah, just by like, like making one false move. Uh, yeah, like in your conventional like modern warfare, you have like trenches and gun. Well, tre- not trenches, but you have like it's very like meticulous how war is fought now. But back then, it just almost looks like they just piled on and just see who gets out. Like, mm-hmm. it's so frantic and kind of terrifying. Like you, I, I would almost think it's like every single person in that in that pile is going to be stabbed at some point. Yeah, and I I think one pointed thing uh, on that note is that a lot of people who had an instinct to survive, who didn't really have like a death wish or this uh, loyalty hanging over their head necessarily, 
we'll just hang towards the back. And that's what he tells uh, uh, Matsu, uh, his his kind of companion from the the first Yakuza boss's house, who's been helping I- um, Ichi get around and whatnot. Uh, Ichi turns to him before he starts taking control of the situation, negotiating. He's like, yeah, just, just hang out towards the back. You're way too young for this. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm guessing that's that was probably some of it. Like, of course, it's cinema. It's going to be more kinetic. Um, so a lot more action. But I'm guessing, like, people would probably, much like schoolyard fights uh, uh, that we've probably experienced, just kind of run up to each other, maybe get a few good hits in, then run back and be like, okay, I did it. I'm done. <laughs> like, can I please check out? Because um, they're really just, in these films, like, it shows them uh, basically crafting weapons out of whatever they had, like bamboo, uh, which is no joke. I mean, bamboo is durable. It can definitely be used as a weapon, especially when uh, sharpened down to a fine point. So, yeah. I'm guessing this kind of like came in, got a few good licks, or at least think they did, and then just like retreated, catch their breath. After a while, you just I, like, I'm done. You know, I also actually liked, um, even though it's the same ending that you get in a lot of the Zatoichi films, I actually did enjoy uh, the uh, the uh, with the ending with uh, him handing over the train money. Or um, what train? What the hell am I talking about? I'm sorry, the fairy money. Yeah, over to Mitsu, and then uh, her asking, "Well, why? Why did he give us the money?" And then it just cuts to him walking away. Like I really enjoyed. uh, I really enjoyed that. Just uh, Zatuichi, just back on the road again. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I I don't suggest. I don't know why that particular instance like got to me the way it did, but I guess it just kind of did, you know? Yeah, yeah. In previous films, like he's at least had a chance to say goodbye or something, but this is this is beyond like arm's length uh, of keeping space away from people. Like he just kind of like as you say, like he just gives them money. It's like, all right, I'll check you later, um, or I'll see you. At, I'll see you at the ferry stop, and of course he's not going to be there. Right. Um, but yeah, it's uh, definitely an impressive fight scene, like all the coordination. Uh, I love how angry uh, Shintaro Katsu emotes, or like all the anger that he emotes as Zatoichi at the ending. Like he's just so fed up with these, with all these Yakuza bosses, and especially just trying to escort this uh, girl back to her family and find out that she's being used by one of the bosses as bait like the rage in his voice is amazing plus they also find that point for humor where like mid fight he wants to get a drink of water from a a well and it's this very cautious thing where he's just listening for anybody to make that one false move towards him when he's just trying to get a damn drink of water and (laughs) and that's that line that he says where he's like i can't even get a drink of water during a fight what's wrong with you people like have you no courtesy (laughs) And I, and again, like he's the one who's doing all the slaughtering. Like he's the one with the lightning sword and um, known for having taken down so many people in his wake. Whereas everybody else is just kind of they're in these mob boss clans. Like they're just they're reinforcements. They're not necessarily they're not going to be at his level ever. So it's 
it's interesting to see them like try to get their licks and while Zatuichi just like basically mows everyone down. Um, so I guess that really kind of wraps it up for on the road. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And thanks yeah. for, um, thanks for asking for clarification on it. It was, um, we definitely enjoyed it and, uh, bummed that we didn't get to chance to talk about it on that episode. So hope that helped. Yeah, that was, that was a big, uh, that was a big mess, misstep on our part, just forgetting the ending. But... <laughs> and it ends. Uh, Yep. And we'll be back next week with Zatuichi in the chat. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> okay, so uh, that brings us to Zatuichi in the Chest of Gold, movie number six in the series. In the series, yeah. It was released uh, in 1964, and it's the first of five films in 1964. They turned them out this year. <laughs> uh, this film was directed by Kazu Ikihiro who uh, would go on to direct uh, Zatoichi's Flashing Sword, which is the next on our list, and Zatoichi's Pilgrimage, which is movie number 14. Um, it's actually funny, speaking of 1964, is that the, uh, I believe that uh, the next Zatoichi movie to come out after Flashing Sword is just called Fight Zatoichi Fight, which makes me think that's why the name of... Uh, that's why the name of On the Road is different, because that would have been very confusing. Just like how there's a movie later called Zatuichi and the Fugitives. That oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, that when you have like twenty six films, uh some of those names might run together. Yeah. Um you know, the real star of this show, uh at least on the technical end, is the cinematographer. Yes. Who is joining us for the next six I think six more ja- uh, Zatuichi movies. Uh, and if you want to talk about Kazu Miyagawa. Yeah, Kazu, Kazuo Miyagawa uh, had already had a, a uh, exemplary career at this point as cinematographer on about 50 films and working with many, many top-notch directors. He had already worked on, for example, Rashomon and Yojimbo alongside uh, uh, Kurosawa. But he also did films with, uh, on the complete other end of the spectrum, like non-Chambara films, uh, films about like sublime domesticity with uh, Ozu, who's, again, like, let's just concentrate on the home life of uh, modern Japan, or at that time, modern Japan. So he has quite a range and ability. And again, like 50 films already, he had been honing his craft when he by the time that he reached a chest of gold and And if uh oh sorry continue oh and he would go on to do many more after that about maybe 33 more films my math is right and uh he actually lived a pretty long time i believe he died in 99 of uh at the age of 91 yes so he um Miyagawa was pretty much involved with Japanese cinema from the get-go. And um, Rashomon is one of my favorite movies, and one of my wife's favorite movies is Ugetsu, which he also worked on. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe he also had a hand in some of the Lone Wolf and Cub movies. Um, but yeah, he was with the Zatoichi series for quite a while. Uh, I believe all the way through Zatoichi Goes to the Fire Festival was his last one. Um, 
So uh, you got a pretty pretty good pedigree. I'm not totally familiar with what the director has done, but uh, it seems that he's been he's done a lot of films. Okay. Uh, Shintaro Katsu's brother, Tomi Saburo Wakayama, returns as Jushiro, who is a ronin. Um, he's not playing the same character from the first film, or I'm sorry, the second film, which is kind of confusing because uh, if you look at the IMDb credits for the second film, it has his name from this film in it, listed as his character. Ah, um, okay. But it is, in fact, not the same person. And it's actually funny because when you first see the character, uh you see him on a hillside with his gang practicing with his whip and he has his his uh right arm tucked into his kimono so it almost you almost think for a second it's him oh weird yeah i didn't um, catch that but that's that's funny yeah cuz his previous character only had the one arm right and um actually another throwback to tale of zatuichi continues is that zatuichi um the reason why he's in that village where he celebrates with the farmers to begin with is that he's visiting the grave of a man that he killed during the climax of um, during the climax of Tale of Zatuichi continues during that gang war between Ayoka and Sasagawa. Um, huh. uh, it, the the thing is though is that 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 scene uh, you do not actually see in the for in the second movie, so it was just like a thing that was added after the fact like retconned in yeah. of him killing that guy and then of course Chio the girl his sister is around um, you also get uh, this was, This is something you pointed out and I believe this is from uh, New Tale of Zatuichi um, Chuji of Kunisada oh no I'm sorry it was the fugitive Chunji of Kunisada may, plays a big role yeah um, for I guess something that might be analogous to, um, I guess, like, Western culture would be somebody in the same vein as, um, like, a Robin, like a Robin Hood. It's not the same story by any stretch, but uh, basically a Yakuza boss for the working farmer, uh, looking out for them, not necessarily for himself. But, yeah, he's tucked away in the mountains. So, yeah, he had stopped by as a weird cameo in a previous film, like you said, and in this one, he plays a much larger role as, as, uh, being a suspect for, uh, the stolen money that was en route from a bunch of villages to pay off their, their, uh, taxes to the capital. Um, so he makes his return. I actually wanted to mention, I should have mentioned this when we were talking about Jushiro, but, uh, I really like the fact that he fights with a whip, just because it's cool seeing a villain with a different weapon than just a you know your run of the mill katana. Yeah, and I was kind of wondering like how long it took him to get good with the whip because he's got a couple of marks on his face that look like he may have just kind of cracked back way too fast a few times, and I was like, ah, damn it! <laughs> you know, got I, myself again. Whoever did that makeup did not do a very good job because there was numerous instances, especially in the scene where Zatoichi cuts that coin in half, where I thought that scar was like a very recent cut because it just looks so blood red. <laughs> yeah, and I'm wondering like what a, what story would have possibly been behind that. Like they do put some effort into the character. The makeup is kind of strange for as a... Uh, brightly lit as a lot of this film is um but yeah like 
it is it is an interesting look and he does look very stoic most of the time unless he's unless he's in uh, fighting mode this uh uh jushiro character in which case he's manic like he's just having the time of his life uh thrilling and carnage um but most of the time he's just this intimidating figure so it's nice to have like that counterpart match for Zatoichi be devastatingly villainous for once. Yeah, and he he seems almost cartoonish, which I, yeah. I which I really really enjoy about him. Um, this movie uh, also has probably the best intro of any of the movies. Yes, totally of uh, just a pitch black screen. Uh, with Zatuichi and just killing a bunch of dudes playing the flute and as the flute plays it actually mends into the opening song that's playing and I was curious what that instrument was because at a point like he's just letting it rest in his mouth as if it were a kazoo or something and looking up online um, somebody pointed out that it was the Masur business call basically like Hey, get your massage here. I'm a masseur. I'm open for business. So that's what he's playing. And then, yeah, like against that black backdrop, these different figures, these different um, um, ne'er-do-wells would approach, and then he would stop playing the instrument for a second to dispose of them. It was very cool. It's just such a cool thing to watch. And if you have like a minute or two and you're intrigued, definitely check it out. And uh, also, like we were mentioning with uh, Kazu Miyagawa being part of the this film, this movie is way, 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 way. Sh- I'm sorry, not way, but it's uh, it's amazingly shot. Um, yeah, yeah. Compare, I was going to say way, way better than the previous films, which actually I would argue that the first one was pretty well shot. But I think like the last, I think like the cinematography is decent in all the Zatoichi movies, but I think this is kind of a step above the rest. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited to see all the other movies that he's involved in. Um, yeah, there's a lot of it, a lot of wild, like, um, very steady hillside shots. Like, there's a battle that takes place on a mountainside that we'll probably end up talking about for a little bit. Um, and then, like, some tracking shots of, like, horses going from right to left across the screen and the camera following that. Or following Zatoichi up to a point and stopping, like think if you've seen Old Boy, uh, think like precursor to that kind of stuff. Like it's amazing that they accomplished this sort of work. But considering this guy's career, um, I'm sure he was prepared for it. So, and um, so the the film, the basic premise of the film is that Zatoichi ends up in a village to visit the grave of a man that he killed. During, I like I said, I could be wrong, but it, I believe it was the tale of Zatoichi continues um, during the last gang fight, um, where he celebrates with some farmers, and of course there's a musical number in every single Zatoichi movie, so uh, this one had a drum circle, um, who are excited about paying their taxes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, who isn't excited about that? The... Uh, the tax money is sat is put into a chest that Zatoichi sits on. Um, this, as minute of a detail as that seems, it does come into play a little bit later. Uh, the money is then sent off with a 
I guess, a convoy or an entourage uh, to bring to the governor of the region, at which point we meet Jushiro and his gang of ronin. Um, they, of course, kill most of the people bring who have the money, uh, who are transporting the money to take it for themselves. And then this, however, this is where things get a little weird from, like, the past Satoichi movies, because I noticed a little something that you didn't get in the past movies, and you know what that is? What's that? There's blood. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this, yeah this is, like, blood. a lot of blood in this one. And there's even a little bit of gore here and there, and that's kind of a surprise because you didn't really get um, you don't really get that in the previous films. No, um, and one thing I was going to point out as like a first for this movie is how brutalized uh, Zatoichi himself uh, gets. Like he receives so much punishment in this film, um, especially in the end, like with the last fight with Jushiro is. Uh, just totally turns him into hamburger meat. Yeah, it's it's wild because everything up to now, he's he's been in keeping with the idea of like characters with film franchises. He's been kind of like a a James Bond where um, he's getting out of scrapes pretty pretty easily. At least for like earlier James Bond stuff, like his tux is still intact. But in this one, uh, some of the first like actionable actionable blood is on Zatoichi. Like a uh, one of the he's getting mobbed by these villagers who are demanding what to know who want to know what happened to their tax money because they think that he stole it. And they're shoving him around as he's trying to use like his usual charisma tactics of like, oh I I think I can remember it. Let me just get a seat over here. I'm just need to catch my bearings and somebody just cracks him over the head with a sake bottle. And um without even a cut to the film, um like the crowd kind of hushes for a minute and Shintaro Katsu is like holding his head. And as he's explaining to them, like, you know, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to look for it. He leaves, he takes his hand away and then like the blood trickles down his forehead. It's amazingly done. Like I'm, I'm sure that they had like a, a capsule or something, but for that was all on Shintaro to do. Like he had a, r- a razor blade in his hand. It's an old, an old wrestling trick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he learned it from Ric Flair, uh, <laughs> who was not even not even old enough to wrestle at this point. But yeah, it was a uh, is a very very interesting scene. And again, like it's it is bright blood. It is like almost like a hobby paint blood. And um. You know, it, it actually was almost kind of jarring for a second there because, uh, in a weird way, like these movies had kind of like a, a wholesome feel to them before. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like it's like that. You could show a child this movie, and even though you know there are numerous scenes of death in it, you don't really get that because nobody looks particularly injured. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that uh that I don't really recall happening in the previous movies is uh, innocent people dying. That doesn't really seem to happen in the other movies either. Um, and I could be wrong, but I think this is the first instance where we watch like a large amount of just civilians get uh, get killed. Yeah, to get caught in a crossfire of this so, uh, that, greed. So Zatoichi, the series, is growing up because now you have blood and now uh, there's casualties and... And to the uh, point of like a gore scene, there's some early, there's this, well, it's like 64, 
yet there's this very ghoulish scene where uh, you get to see like some of the people that were captured, uh, some of these representatives from the villages, like basically saying we need more time to get more money uh, when they're approaching the um, the local representative. And the representative like locks them up and puts them in these torture devices. So like you see people getting like bricks slammed on them or they're hanging upside down or all this to the to the sound of a very creepy uh warped out of tune piano which is something that like feels like it should be from like a mid 70s grindhouse feature this uh that reminds me of um james cavell's uh sam or shogun the book about the uh english sailor who becomes a samurai in the 1600s yeah um yeah the japanese uh ancient japanese really they really mean business when it comes to torture because there's a part in that book where um some of his friends get boiled alive for simply existing so wow uh, yeah uh they they really they really know how to bring their a game when it comes to that kind of thing um so Zatoichi, of course, as he's being accused of stealing this money, of the other person being accused is uh, Chuji of Kunisada, who is hiding out on Mount Akagi, which I am actually familiar with because of the anime Initial D. Um, <laughs> so I was like, hey, I know that place. Um, <laughs> uh, so Zatoichi, of course, being old friends with Chuji. find out why did he take that money without even so much as like just kind of questioning you know could it have been him he just seems to automatically just assume it's him which i think is kind of a lousy thing to do to a friend you know <laughs> yeah he's really throwing throwing a an old chum under the bus but, but he's a suspect uh, nonetheless so he he offers to go but of course like this village is near mount akagi nobody knows about Tushiro's gang yet so Obviously, the only other suspect is the group of Yakuza that live up in the mountain. Um, the Another thing about this movie um, that I like is that uh, when it comes to, I guess, nature, um, this movie actually feels a little more treacherous than what Zatoichi's used to, especially because he's climbing that mountain and then coming down that mountain getting into numerous fights and he has a child on him, which I got to be honest, I blinked and that child appeared. So, Oh yeah. Um, that's, that's <laughs> a, a weird, um, very quick thing that goes down. Uh, when Zatoichi is clearing things up with Chuji and Chuji's clan, um, after Zatoichi convinces Chuji, like, listen, you have to make your way down the mountain now. Like people are starting to accuse you of it. And you're more of, more of a local hero than this. Um, and I believe, like, two of his, uh, two of the members of his group, of Chuji's group, did have a part in trying to steal that gold. Like, they were hired on as some side work and uh, end up admitting to have, have done it. Chuji almost uh, commits harikari because of it, feeling ashamed for trying to defend his group when they were... Uh, bullface line or at least not coming forward about it but Zatoichi is like no all is forgiven we need to just focus on focus on the now and <laughs> amid all that like Chuji's like listen we're gonna go down the mountain but there's people coming after us can you take this guy's nephew home with you 
I need you to take this little boy down yeah. the mountain. By the way, there's an entire group of uh, of uh, people coming up to kill us. So yeah, and this is weird arrangement where uh, this is for me. It's like one of the weirder parts of the film. Like we have Chuji and um, a mistress, this other mistress character who we haven't discussed yet. Uh, I think her name is like Unigi, and they just appear in the first act of this film, and then like. They kind of wipe their hands of it and are gone. And they, you think yeah. they're going to be like major players, but Chuji's like, listen, if you can distract these people, that would be great. And oh. he gets cornered, but that's it. Like, we don't really hear much more about him. I, I assume since he's a legend, he makes it out. But Another thing is with the... Uh, Zatoichi doesn't have a, a tremendous amount of luck with the women in this movie as he has in the previous films. Again, brutal. Like, just brutal yeah. experiences for this guy. Um, like it, it, the whole thing just seemed it, the whole thing feels like Zatoichi is out of his element. Like it's just yes. like this is sort of like the tables are turned on him because he gets beat up, doesn't get laid. Um, he does you know, do really well at uh, at a dice game without yeah, having to like call true. people out or cheating. You know. Um. And. uh you know, you have Chio from the beginning, who was uh, the girl that was, uh, I guess, escorting him some to the village. Uh, and then uh, you have Ugin, who uh, is the lady that he's in the bath with. Um, right, right. Zatuichi. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, Zatuichi, of course, makes it apparent that he cannot see. He mentions that he's blind. And uh, just nothing really happens with her. Um no. <laughs> just it, it just goes nowhere for the guy. Um yeah, it, it's a very funny scene because she gets into the uh she gets into the onsen thinking there's no one else there, but once she's like comfortably like in place and bathing, uh we see Ichi's head like come slowly out of the water <laughs> and just dripping with water, he like looks over towards her, which is also towards the camera. And just says, Konbanwa. In this very, I, like, sultry, creepy way. <laughs> you know, if I were living in ancient Japan and that happened to me, I would just assume it was a demon of some kind and leave. Like, yeah. like that would oh, be I'm the done. only logical explanation. <laughs> yeah, where's my robe? Uh, I'm not bathing with demons. Um, so it's a very funny scene. He gets to talking to her a bit, probably reveals a bit too much about himself. And she passes on that information to... Uh, her uh her what's the word i'm looking for uh, whoever whoever escorts a mistress around it's the guy who just became const, uh, constabulary for the village who's underneath the uh the uh the local um representative who's who's basically uh trying to cheat the town out of more money so it's it's this like underling um we'll just call him I think he's just a constable honestly. Yeah. His name is like Monji or Moji. Monji, yeah. Uh oh, Jite is the word. Oh, for um, somebody okay who has a mistress. Yeah. yeah, it's uh it's supposed to Oh no, he receives a jite, which means a jite is a, uh, it's like a weapon that a constable has, essentially. Oh, whoops. It's basically <laughs> saying, here, you're the sheriff, enjoy. 
Yeah, kind of um, like a a mace or something. Maces, yeah, sometimes used in like uh, civil official duties. So basically, he's a sheriff. Yeah, yeah, and he learns that Zatoichi's in town and um is really trying to do his best at this, but he's doing some pretty nefarious stuff to to uh, to keep the peace. Um, I also, one of the things I liked about him coming up the mountain, uh, initially to go meet Chuji was the alarm system that he came across, which that hasn't really been a thing in the previous Zatoichi movies, which he dodged the first time, but not so much the second time. Yeah. Or actually, no, I believe he, I believe he messes with it intentionally to escape. To escape, but, yeah. But the first time, like, he, when he runs into it again, I'm thinking like, God, this is not, this is not his day. Like, this movie could have been called Zatuichi's Awful, Terrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. And <laughs> this is Zatuichi's Clerks. It's, it feels like he wasn't even supposed to be there. Yeah, like, so far, this is my favorite film, but I can't imagine recommending this one because it's so unlike the other ones. Like, I like it because he, he's able to overcome all of these challenges and, like, you know, these weirdly brutal scenes that he goes through. And it's just shot extremely well. Like, I love how it looks. But, yeah, this is not the one I would recommend so far. Um, you know, as weird as it sounds, like, I would I would almost kind of tell somebody to start here. Just because it, uh... I think this is the movie that finally reaches that perfect combination of action and story. Yeah. I think it's a lot more intriguing than On the Road. Um, and it is really it, eye-catching, too. Even with, like, the little throwbacks to the second movie, like, you don't need, I mean, it's, it's, the context of that stuff is completely irrelevant, like, sure. it's cool for people who have seen the first couple movies, but, like, even the story about him killing that person, like, that person had no significance in the story of Tale of Zatoichi Continues, and, like, mm-hmm. like I said, that scene itself's not even in that movie, so it's just something that was kind of made up after the fact. Yeah. So, I mean... Even then, you don't even need to know the context of why that happened. It just happened. Yeah, um, yeah, I get you. Uh, even with like the little, like little throwback wink about Jushiro, I mean, it's a cool thing to notice if you're a fan of the series, but it's completely unnecessary to like you know get it. To, mm-hmm. It doesn't pertain to the story at all. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was getting away you from know, your topic though. You were mentioning like the alarm system and and how treacherous the mountain was. Uh, yeah, you don't. You don't really see that. That seems like a very large undertaking for a blind man to climb a mountain. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Previous uh, films, like he, it's it seems more like a jaunty stroll through the woods, but this is like an incline, and yeah, it's disastrous. And geez, when he's like coming down it, and he's got the kid on his back, it's all like lone wolf and cub style, you know? Right. That's. Which, uh... I, I'm kind of wondering when Lone Wolf and Cub came out because, of course, like Tomoshiro, or uh, to, bleh, I'm sorry, Tomosaburo Wakayama, of course, being the star of Lone Wolf and Cub, um, being Shintaro Katsu's in real life brother. I wonder if that was like kind of like a hint at it, but I guess not because it looks like the manga was published in 1970. So <laughs> never mind. <laughs> Yeah, it looks like um, the uh, first of those films would have been like in 72, but a yeah. weird sort of premonition to it, if nothing else. But um, 
Yeah, he just, out of nowhere, and like I said, I I missed the context of why he had that child, admittedly, but I blinked and that kid was there. So, I was yeah. like, okay, why does he have this kid with him? And then, of course, you know, uh, things get worse as he's confronted by more bandits as he's coming down the mountain with this child. Um, this is one of the cooler scenes in the movie because you're seeing a bit of an overhead shot just following Zatoichi fighting these guys. Yeah, I think it's um, the... Uh, it's a uh basically like local people willing to uh, volunteer to try to, to capture, um, uh, uh, Ooh, I just blanked on the name. Chunchi. Um, Jushiro. Oh, Chunji, Chunji. Yeah. Sorry. I'm adding an N in there. It's Chuji. Um, yeah, they're trying to bring Chuji to justice. So it's this organized affront with people like, in light armor in these lanterns and yeah this shot is extremely cool like they're launching of the party to go find this guy at dusk uh so it's like these bright orange lanterns like floating and you just kind of see like the figures holding holding these things up um and then the fight scene that takes place with with uh zatuichi trying to uh, distract those forces onto the hillside. And, um, you know, I think, uh, it, this movie, I think amongst like all the other films has probably the most when it comes to these like, like very large scale, like fight scenes, mm-hmm. but they're all done incredibly well, which, you know, makes it kind of hard to complain about it. Um, so with, uh, at this point, of course, like you said, like all the people, you know, people who are coming up are, are assuming that Chuji is is the the bandit, and Zatuichi hasn't had the opportunity to mention that that's not true. Um, and I believe, at, still at this point, nobody's really a hundred percent sure what the deal with like who Jushiro is. Um, I think he's just kind of like a kind of like a ghost at the moment. Um, so. As we get further down, da- as it gets down the uh, Mount Akagi, after oh, uh, it did we mention that Chuji uh, Chuji um, asked Atuichi to kill him and he refused? No, we we glossed over that part, but that does happen. Okay. Like when I said Harikata earlier, it wasn't basically him like I'm going to follow my own sword. He's like, here, you do this. You deserve it. Is kind of what he's saying. <laughs> like, you can cut me down if you like. And in fact, that's not uh, the last time we hear those words uttered in this film. Um, <laughs> Zatoichi says it to uh, um, the sister of the person that he was paying respects to. Chiyo? Chiyo, yeah. Um, he offers it to her as well. So uh, pretty much immediately after this is uh, we cut to the inn. And this is, of course, your gambling scene coming up. As uh, one of Jushiro's men mentions that there are two Sam, or there's two Sam, uh, I'm sorry, two of Jushiro's men um, express their uh, express their uh, disdain for a, gam- a blind gambler doing well in a dice hall. So of course uh, Jushiro goes to investigate because he knows this is you know the Zatuichi that he's heard about. Everybody's heard of Zatuichi, like. Um, I'm not sure what prefixture Zatuichi's in, but he seems to be very popular with people. Um, so this is, of course, your you have 
this is your two and one here. You have gambling and cool theatrics, which usually they're separated, but they decided to splice mm. them both into just uh, this <laughs> this one scene. Right. Um. So of course, uh, you have a uh, you have a uh, Jushiro slicer. Take take Zatuichi. I believe that's Zatuichi sword, or uh, I don't remember specifically, but I. Th- think no i'm sorry it was his sword um slices a coin in half and then of course this is when the betting starts because he bets that to ichi that he can't do the same so they start up in they go back and forth upping like 5 10 20 ryu until finally they settle on 35 which once again i don't know what ryu translates to in terms of like currency exchange um I think we had the formula figured out a while, a couple episodes back, but I really don't remember. Hmm. Um, so Jushiro then throws, he throws like a spike or something and his sword into, did you catch what that thing was? The spiral thing? No, but it was something that would go through, um, the, uh, the center hole for the coin piece that they were using. Yeah. It must be something related to that. Um, maybe it's a, maybe they had coin holders back then. I don't know, but, uh, he, uh, tosses it up into the ceiling. The coin drops. And of course, Zatuichi slices it in half midair, um, yeah. midair. So, uh, yeah. Uh, Jishiro is a little pissed off cause he just lost admittedly a decent amount of money. Uh, I think it's funny that Zatuichi's collecting his coin. Um, these one dude tries to take it and he obviously notices it. Yeah. You're like, he faces the dude like you can't say that he looks at him because it's impossible, but he turns like his attention to the person who's trying to steal and that guy backs off, which is slick. It's a, a very nice touch. I think something similar might have happened in the first movie, but um, oh, no, it was uh, I think they were trying to mess with his dice or something in the first one. But um, yeah, like I said earlier, like you have some very specific things that happen in Zatoichi cool tricks and gambling and there you go you just got both in one sitting so um so as as uh as Zatoichi is leaving um he he overhears two samurai talking and do you remember what the conversation was um I believe that they were uh a, hmm you already mentioned, yeah, this had already passed that they were, like, two other people were complaining about somebody doing really well in the gambling hall, so this is obviously after I, that. I think it was, I think it's because uh, the gentleman, the constable that you mentioned earlier, Yeah. Um, he's in cahoots with Jushiro, so I believe this is where it's revealed that... Um, the constable had something to do with the robbery. Like he, like he was going to take the money for himself. And this is where Zatoichi finds out about it. Um, because there's a scene, I forgot to mention this. There's a scene right before the gambling scene where Munji, man, what a dumb name. Um, <laughs> uh, Munji is talking with Jushiro about, um, about the, about the, 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 the heist. <laughs> yeah. The heist. There you go. The heist. That's what it was. It was a heist. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, Zatoichi, being a gentleman, pays these guys ten ryu 
just saying, hey, you know, thanks for the information. But they still end up attacking him, and of course, he dispatches them fairly quickly. Um, this isn't really as vicious of a Zatoichi as you see in uh, the the previous movie, but of course, he's not going to, you know, he's not going to take no shit if someone attacks him. Yeah. Um, so, uh, as mentioned, they're being as the governor is very upset. Uh, he plans on launching troops into the village. So the villagers are now, of course, Zatoichi's about to get himself involved in another gang war. Um, this is also, uh, I believe, this is also one of the first instances you see a gun in, in these movies, or am I wrong? Uh, there was one in... Um the fugitive. There, was, ah, a, there okay. was a guy with a gun, like firing wildly into that abandoned house, the burned down house that they were in. So, but you have these musketeers that uh, were deployed by the governor. Um, when I say governor, I should mean that this doesn't mean the central government. This is still, I believe the shogunate. So it's just like whoever. Um, Sorry. Could you say that again? Kind of. So, out Oh, can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you now. I can hear you fine now, but it cut out, like, after you said the shogunate. Oh, Oh, so this is the shogunate, so, like, this isn't really, like, the Japanese government launching launching an attack on the small village. It's just the governor of the region. The guy who, basically, this is when Japan was controlled by, essentially, the mafiosa. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. Just cutting up pieces of land, and, of course, each village would have to pay their, their dues. Um... So uh, then we are treated to a, another fight, <laughs> another battle. This one is the one that I think was saying I was saying was a, a little more claustrophobic, um, involving uh, involving just dudes jumping all over each other in this in a building. And that's when I was thinking, you know, how does anybody get out of these the kind of things alive? Uh, for some reason, I believe the governor himself. Uh, is there Gundia? I believe his name is. Do you know? Was that the governor, or was that just his lieutenant? I, I took that as the um, the governor. They they have a different name in the film, and I neglected to write it down. Um, it's called like initiate or intendant. Intendant. Thank you. So it's not quite the governor, but it's basically his like right hand dude. Yeah, a person uh, acting as a civic official. Like, yeah, it's he's basically the lady that you give the money to when you pay your ticket, like at the courthouse or something. If you get like a speeding ticket, that's basically what he is mm-hmm. <laughs> in in modern terminology. He's that lady behind the booth. Um, uh, so, of course, uh, Gundayu is his name. Uh, Ichi. I'm sorry. I was going to say, there's interesting shots with this guy. Like, they're mostly upward-pointing shots at him. And um, I think the first time we see him, it's this weird jump cut to him, like, laughing. And then somebody beneath him also laughing, like somebody sitting below him. (laughs) It just stood out for me because it was just so weird from what it had last cut to. And for as much of this film as, like, brutal and and, uh, bleak, you see, like, this guy just 
with a very bony looking face. Yeah, just laughing very, very forcedly. Anyway. Um, He's, he's of course, killed by Zatuichi. Zatuichi gives him the option of basically, like, giving back the gold or, you know, giving... He he actually says something about giving the farmers a receipt. Yeah, proof that... So, it was like giving him the gold and proof of payment, which, uh... I guess is a win-win for the villagers. Of course, he says no, and Ichi kills him. Um, yeah, not without just cause, though, because he, the guy, tries to take down Ichi in a very, in a very loud sort of way. Like he unsheathes yeah. a katana and <laughs> is basically screaming to take down Ichi, but you know the guy has no chops. There's no right. chance with this dude. So yeah, Ichi's about to make his way out with the chest of gold, but then he's uh, confronted with uh, Jushiro. This is such a cool entrance for Jushiro, too. You just see him off in the distance with his horse riding in, and I'm like, oh, for some reason I should know who this is, but I can't tell right now. And then, boom, he just wraps his whip around Ichi's neck and just drags him across the ground, like, for, like, a considerable distance, too, at which point Ichi drops his sword. And this is actually the cover, the Criterion cover of the movie, because I could never tell what was going on in that image, and then, of course, it turns out it's Satoichi being dragged by a whip across the ground. Well, it should be noted um, that there's a weird point of honor here. Like, he he meets Ichi, or, or rather, Ichi meets him uh, about, like, an hour or so later than that meeting at, um, after the intendant is killed. As Ichi's trying to make his way out with the chest of gold to bring it back to the villagers, Jashir is standing there and is like... I'm not going to kill you here. We're going to do this in about an hour near this temple. Will you meet me there? And Ichi's like, uh, sure, I guess so. And he meets with uh, Chio to drop off the uh, the gold for the villagers. And Chio, like, finally getting the full story of why Ichi was in town and realizing that he's a good guy, starts to come around to him. Like, she wanted him dead earlier. She was giving information to the constabulary and whatnot um, and kind of get to hoots with them. But now she's kind of regretting those decisions and asking him to, to stick it out, to hang around. And it's only like four minutes till the end of the film at this point. And uh, he's like, no, I've, I've got an appointment to keep. And I'm like, this is a really fast wrap up to this film, but a lot happens. And it's all that stuff you explained where Ichi gets out there and he's, you know, I, I'm sorry, I, I looked at the timer when um, the minute you see Jushiro riding up, and it's like 3 minutes and 24 seconds, so I was like, man, mm. this is going to be quick, because this yeah. movie still has to end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's it's an insane amount of stuff that happens within that, like, 3 minutes. It's more, it, I mean, the fact that he's on a horse should already tell you something that's more than the previous stuff that we've seen. It's a hell of a fight, too, for as quick as it is, like... Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as Ichi regains his weapon, um, you know, that's when they go hand to hand. And uh, Jushiro is no joke with the sword. Uh, he, they go at it. And uh, we should also mention, like earlier, Ichi gets whipped a lot, like while he's, uh, once he regains his sword. I forgot, while, he, while Jushiro's still on the, uh, still on his horse, he's like riding around Ichi, just slapping him in the face with that bullwhip. Mm-hmm. And like, he looks bad. So. Yeah, yeah, again, um, like, this is not Ichi's finest hour in these fil- in this film. He's really taking yeah, some he, blows. You know, of course, you because there's, 
you know, 20 more of these movies, you know, he's going to make it out alive. But mm-hmm. like in any other situation, you know, if under any other pretense, like you would think he made it out with the skin of his teeth, which he basically did. Um, and I think like a bullwhip at, by any standard would probably at least knock you out, if not kill you, if you're hit in the face enough times with it. Um, so Jushiro and Ichi go at it, uh, sword to sword. And, uh, they kind of hop around a little bit and Itchy finally gets the advantage and cuts him. And they cuts this really cool scene where they're both just kind of on their knees and Itchy is completely exhausted. And you just see a trickle of blood round, run down Jushiro's face and he falls to the ground. Yeah, it's not too different from that earlier scene where um, Ichi's hit in the head with a sake bottle and the blood trickles down from his forehead. Uh, it might be another, like, razor-bladed rick flair sort of instance but um (laughs) but yeah it's a very very well shot mean meanfully shot scene with ichi's back to the camera and jichiro like facing the front and uh, really out of it um but a very very cool fight scene uh packed into those like three minutes and one of the rare instances where we see ichi kind of limping away from the battle um, we've seen him stab before in a fight, but still like managed to hoist somebody else up, jump off a bridge, and swim to safety. <laughs> and this yeah. one, he's like, he's been dragged around. He's been pretty exhausted through what has to be like his most dishonorable fight. Like, just like the disadvantage that he was at for this is uh, more than he's been at previously, despite like the blindness that he has to deal with. Um, but yeah, like he is hobbling away with uh, scraped skin on his cheeks and in really strained expression. But he's trying to. I couldn't tell if he was making his way back to the village or not because he promises to come back. And yeah, he's he's going back to the village because he's going in the direction Chio went. Okay. So he cool. he uh, he's he's making good on his promise. I would hope so. Um, yeah, because he needs to tend to those wounds. I don't know how he's going to really handle it otherwise. But, uh, and that wraps up Zatoichi in the Chest of Gold. So uh, what are your final th- thoughts on it? Uh, definitely my favorite one so far. Um, I don't get the feeling I've said that with every film. I know, like, there was a few, maybe on the road I skipped. <laughs> I was saying, like, this is now definitely my favorite. But this one is... Uh, for sure the favorite one i'm still the mindset that i probably wouldn't show this one first to uh, somebody who was curious about the series even though it is like really great if it was somebody who was really into chambara films but weirdly hadn't seen any zatsuichi i'd be like well this one's probably up your alley um or somebody who just liked kurosawa and was willing to expand their palette i would probably suggest this one but otherwise like if it's somebody who just wanted to know what Zatoichi is about probably go for one of the earlier films I you know I agree with you I think this one's the best one so far like uh before I I felt that um the tale like the second movie was the best one but I you know I'm pretty convinced that this is pretty much the best offering the series has had so far which is pretty good for six movies in um 
I think that this movie has perfectly blended story and action. You get just enough action without feeling like it's Zatoichi just constantly with his sword out. Um, the cinematography is great. All, uh, like you can, you can tell that it's just a league of its own compared to the last movies in terms of like uh, the technical nature of this movie, this film. Yeah. Um, the music was there was actually not a lot of music, but the music that was there was really good. The, uh, the opening scene, right? Yeah, the village that opening was really scene cool. was awesome. Yeah, and the opening the village scene. sequence was cool. Yeah, that last fight was probably the best battle so far in the series. In that um, mountainside, the, it was at the mountainside sequence. Like aside from the intro itself, that the beginning intro sequence again. If you have like a minute or two to spare, check it out to see what we're just gushing over. The movie's on YouTube, seriously. Just go and, like, watch that, like, two minutes of your life, damn it. <laughs> if that. Uh, yeah. Very, very cool sequence. Um, that had me at attention. And then also the mountainside escape uh, with the young child on his back. Like, that was one of the first times I felt sincere tension in uh, in one of these movies. Like... There are moments for how it's how it's cut and how it looks and how the stunt work is, where it's just happening so frantically and, and so treacherous. Like he's trying to keep his footing, but he's obviously having a difficult time with it. Um, it just looks dangerous, and that's that's kind of unusual for a film. Uh, well, like for a non-modern film, I guess, and uh, at least in my case, and uh, yeah, so that had me at full attention and it's like okay this is a different this is a different approach and i totally dug it i mean it it got me so i you know i would actually recommend this to somebody just starting off um even though like like you said it's it's not exactly satuichi at his best in terms of uh luck i suppose because uh comparatively speaking with the other films he seems to make it out a little bit better than usual Mm -hmm. but um I think it, I think it's fantastic, and I I would say that yeah, definitely. I think amongst the six that we watched so far, uh, this one pretty much ranks number one. And we could change that constantly because we haven't seen any of these movies before. So for all we know, number seven could be great too. Sure, or maybe um, like the character uh, stays this course where it's like he's at he's experiencing more disadvantages because right now I'm I'm only under the impression that Zatuichi is. Uh, a little bit more graceful than what happens in this film to him. So I would have, I would feel like the character representation isn't as accurate. And that's the only reason why I'm not uh, suggesting this as a, as an entry point. However, if it comes to light that like there are others like this and they don't quite match the, uh, the, the danger and effect of this one, then yeah, this would probably be the one that I would recommend um so yeah that wraps it up for uh golden chest uh next our next episode of course is going to be on zatoichi's flashing sword also from 1964 um the synopsis is after being wounded in a fight zatoichi is nursed back to health by a young woman and her father now indebted to the family who works to protect their fairy business from local thugs that sounds kind of cool hopefully it's zatoichi on the ocean um that would be awesome. so uh I should mention our plugs. 
So if you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at blindpodsman at gmail.com or join us on Facebook. Just search for The Blind Podsman. Also check out our website at blindpodsman.blogspot.net or .com. Excuse me. We're on Stitcher. We're on iTunes. We're on anywhere you want to listen to podcasts. Please rate and review us on iTunes. Um, it would help our egos immensely. I got very giddy when I saw that review. Um, <laughs> Tom, uh, listener Tom, I I did see your message and I wanted to respond to you in episode. So, because I the fact that we glossed over that makes me kind of mad at myself, and you know, that's something we shouldn't have done, glossing over literally the climax of a movie. <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a big misstep on our part. So I just thought we should correct that. Um, but uh, yeah, um, please feel free to message us. Um, we are looking for guest host. Uh, we wouldn't mind having extra people on the show here and there. So if you're interested, just message us on Facebook. Let us know what movie you're interested in. And we'll we'll get back to you. Um, should we mention the horrorthon? Uh sure. Yeah, we'll be there. So yeah. So if you're in the Santa Monica area on October 28th, we will actually be at the Arrow Theater uh, from Dust Till Dawn Horathon. Um, come meet up with us. Come watch some movies with us. Um, this is one of the rare instances where the blind podsmen are in one room together. Mm-hmm. Uh, being as we're both blind, it's kind of hard to watch a movie. But you know, we love just being there. Yeah, we actually just listen to these movies and uh, we read very high detailed synopses with, uh, with Braille. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, so if you're around Santa Monica on October 28th, come see us. Um, so I guess that just about does it. I believe so. Okay. So we'll be back in two weeks with Zatuichi's Flashing Sword. I am Patrick, and for Jason, good night. <laughs> セミがなくもう来ちゃならねえ人来た時には目先が真っ暗になっちまう目先が花から真っ暗だよ風に追われたさすらいも Hitori Tabi Bakana Yatura Ni Tamuke Te Yaroka Oreno 
Oh, 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 oh. 